0: Good morning and welcome to contemporary worship coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. This is a pre-recorded service being broadcast uh, on August the 2nd, and we're glad that you've joined us today and hope that you will find this to be a time of worship and celebration and reflection upon God's word. We hope that you will find us at all the other means by which we're communicating with our larger community on our website and on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, all these ways by which we can connect while we cannot be together over this uh, time of COVID. A couple things to bring to your attention, uh, as you can see, we are under construction here uh, in the sanctuary at Church of the Palms. We are about the effort of, re, uh, of enhancing our chancel by refinishing the floor and uh, doing some things with our choir loft and extending our pulpit, so we'll be under this construction for a few weeks, so we uh, are asking for your patience as we sort of makeshift around here and as we seek to continue to bring you worship uh, each and every. Sunday. We are looking forward to a next conversation on race and racism in America, and we look forward to having you uh, view the film Selma which I believe you can get on a streaming service, and that will be a chance for us to reflect a little bit more, especially on the life of John Lewis, who recently passed away. And we'll be having that conversation on August the 17th at 6 p.m. So uh, be looking for that, watch the movie, and uh, we will look forward to having a Zoom conversation on August the 17th. Kickoff Sunday is in four weeks, right at the end of this month, August the 30th. We're gonna have a drive-through experience in and around our parking lot. we'll keep everybody safe and we'll be giving you certain materials that will be in line with our uh, theme of Fruit of the Spirit this fall and throughout the course of this year. So come, there'll be an invitation in the mail in a couple of weeks that will give you all the details, but we'll look forward to seeing you on August the 30th. If you'd like to help out with our food pantry, we're still looking for volunteers. You can go on our website and hit the Give button and you can find uh, the way by which you can uh, sign up to help us distribute food to the more than 200 households that arrive every day here at Church of the Palms. We have a new daily devotion series coming up. Uh, It is an opportunity for us to be reflecting on the Sermon on the Mount, and we hope that uh, you'll join us as we take that journey that begins tomorrow uh, on Monday, and also, of course, also on Monday you'll have a chance to interface with the preacher of the day, Lori Haas, who will uh, be online at 10 a.m. on the Zoom call, and you can register for that on our website as well. Speaking of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that we are the light of the world and that we are the salt of the earth. And this is an opportunity, especially in this season, for us to reflect that in so many different ways. We would love for you to continue to be faithful in your support of Church of the Palms through all the many ways by which you can give, which are on your screen. And we look forward to uh, the day when we can be back together again and pass that offering plate. But until then, uh, your faithfulness through all those means will be an encouragement to us as we continue to seek to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Let's now continue to worship. Hmm.
1: She split the sky Hey. Us. Shine lighter light up. let the whole world see.
0: you've noticed the communion elements on the table and that's reminded you to perhaps get some elements together, some bread and wine or juice so that you can be prepared to receive this blessed sacrament in the moments to come. We are uh, in preparation for our time of prayer. We always invite you to um, let us know of your prayer requests by sending them to Lori Haas at her email address which should be on your screen. And we look forward to hearing from you and finding ways by which we can be praying for you, though we are apart. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, somewhere along the way, your son taught us to pray and to not lose heart. And that's what we want to do. And sometimes we find it hard. We find it hard to pray and to not lose heart. Life is difficult. Things happen. Bad news arises. Circumstances change. Curveballs get thrown. Plans get tossed in the air. Viruses take our breath away. And we want to be good soldiers, but it can be hard, and we can lose our heart, and we can wonder if we'll find it. So here we are in this moment and we ask your spirit to intercede for us and to fill us and even to pray for us. We ask your spirit to speak to us and to assure us that you're still here, you're still at work, you're still leading and guiding and strengthening. We pray your spirit will move us to love our neighbor and love our enemy and love our political adversary and to love those who would have little else, but the love that might come from us. And we ask your spirit to love us and to helping us find our hearts, if only to see that they are already in your hands where they've always been, and that you are here to revive them and strengthen them and sustain them. May it be so, O Lord, For we pray this in the name of Jesus, the great lover of our hearts, amen.
2: Well, we only have four weeks left in our summer series on spiritual disciplines. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about meditation and spent some time considering both contemplation and service through the story of Mary and Martha. One of the takeaways was that many of us have a natural tendency to either sit and listen or to go and do, but perhaps we all need to first spend some time with God to get our bearings. Well, today we're gonna take a deeper dive into service and try to get to the core issue so that we can live into the blessing that Jesus offers us. So I think we need to start with the universal sign of service, the towel. And I'd like to invite my oldest daughter, Jordan, to come forward to read the scripture passage for us, Reverend Jordan Goodwin, who's been quarantining with us since March, and I'm so glad you're here today. Our
3: scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of John. The first passage is from the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 12 through 17. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was tied around him. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their masters, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The second passage is John 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God. Thanks, Joe. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O oh God, to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point to the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. We have big sandals to fill. Isn't it just like Jesus to not only wash the feet of his friends, but to also wash the feet of the men he knows are going to betray and deny him? And think about it. Just touching someone's feet is a bit personal and possibly unpleasant, but it's more than that, isn't it? Foot washing in ancient times was a menial task It involved washing off not just dust and mud, but also animal waste, and even the remains of human excrement, which was poured out into the streets. This act of hospitality was normally assigned to slaves or servants of low status, particularly females, so much so that foot washing was virtually synonymous with slavery. There is no other account in all of ancient literature where a person of superior status voluntarily washes the feet of someone of inferior status. Of course, this is not just an honored teacher who is performing a shameful act, but a divine figure with sovereignty over the cosmos who has taken on the role of a slave. If I had to choose one word other than love for Jesus, I think it might just be humble. The bookends of Jesus' life are drenched in humility. Jesus left his position with God and humbled himself into the form of a baby. His human life ends in shameful humility on a cross. Jesus literally loses himself in love, and now he models humble service in a tangible way for his disciples to understand and hopefully to imitate. Remember, his disciples were no different than the rest of us, always jockeying for position to be seen, to be great, to sit first chair, Humility does not come naturally or easily for most of us, which is why I found the story of Michael Caine's humble beginnings so heartwarming. As you know, Sir Michael Caine is an English actor, producer, and author. He has appeared in more than 130 films of his career spanning over 60 years. As a struggling unknown, Michael Caine once went to the last resort of starving actors, a casting agency run by a a man named Ronnie Curtis. And this is how Caine tells it. Ronnie was very cross-eyed, so when he came out and pointed at us, you, three of us, stood up immediately. This didn't seem to throw him at all. He must sort of be used to this kind of talk. Well, then he asked, what size is your chest? And again, all of us thought he was just talking to us, so at the same time, we blurted out our chest size. When he asked, Who said 40, I put my hand up. And he said, What's your inside leg measurement? 32. His eyes lit up. Perfect. Come on, he said, calling me into his small office. When I got inside, He explained that I would be playing the role of a police officer in a small film the next day. I had been cast because I fit the uniform that the company already had in their wardrobe. Many of us have been on that path of striving and working so hard to earn our promotions and our positions that we find it hard to not take all the credit ourselves. And I was wondering, how do we learn to pick up the towel the way Jesus did? How do we live into John 3.30, which says, he must increase, I must decrease. More of him, less of me. Humility is one of those virtues that is never gained by seeking it. The more we pursue it, the more distant it becomes. But here's the good news. Of all the spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. When we set out on a consciously chosen course of action that works for the good of others and is for the most part a hidden work, a deep change occurs in our spirit. I love how Richard Foster put it, the flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. It'll devise subtle, religiously acceptable means to call attention to the service it rendered. If we strongly refuse to give in to this lust of the flesh, we crucify it. Every time we crucify the flesh, we crucify our pride and arrogance. In the 18th century, William Law wrote that every day should be viewed as a day of humility. And we do this by learning how to serve others. If we want humility, here's what he recommends. To condescend to all the weaknesses and infirmities of your fellow creatures, Cover their frailties, love their excellencies, encourage their virtues, relieve their wants, rejoice in their prosperities, compassionate their distress, receive their friendship, overlook their unkindness, forgive their malice, be a servant of servants, and condescend to the lowest offices, to the lowest of mankind. Lord, have mercy. I cannot do that which is part of the point, I suppose. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As we explore this service discipline, I think it's important to distinguish between servant and service. When we choose to serve, we decide to whom and when we will serve. But when we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge. Take, for example, Wesley from the movie The Princess Bride. He was the farm boy who was in love with Princess Buttercup. His response to her every request was, as you wish. And he went to great lengths and amazing adventures, often risking his own life to serve her. But to choose to be a servant means we are open and vulnerable to a higher call our whole life becomes an act of service for others in the message bible eugene peterson says in romans 12:1. so here's what i want you to do god helping you take your everyday ordinary life your sleeping eating going to work and walking around life and place it before god as an offering. The voluntary servanthood is to God, which means being available to whomever and whenever God brings something our way, which is very different than serving the prince or princess of our dreams. One wise person I know said that his morning prayer is simply, show me who to love today, O God. In the book, Life Together, pastor, theologian, and anti-Nazi dissident, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God and that nobody, nobody is too good for the meanest service. Well, this makes me think about the importance of creating some margin in my life so that I have the privilege of responding to such an interruption. When we respond to God's interruption with an act of service, I believe our attitude is very important. Being ministered to by a grumpy person or someone who obviously thinks she's above this, or that she's being greatly inconvenienced, is often worse than no help at all. Think of Cinderella. She had the attitude of what we call a servant's heart. Despite her predicament, she was always singing while scrubbing and making friends with all those little critters. She followed the instruction of her late mother, who told her in order to thrive, you must have courage and be kind. And Cinderella did this, which is good, but she didn't have a choice. Well, she had a choice for her attitude, but she didn't have a choice for her servanthood. She was held captive in a dysfunctional family, locked away in a castle without options as a penniless female with no education in a patriarchal kingdom. Well, for us in the 21st century, we have a choice. And Jesus is inviting us to choose a life of servanthood because that's where the blessing is. But we're only fooling ourselves if we don't believe that attitude is an important part of this process. If we're going to pick up our towels with the right spirit, we must pay attention to two words, gratitude and compassion. Gratitude basically means to receive the gifts of God and others. We prefer to be on the giving side, the side of position and power, with the illusion that we have it all together. But we often forget that the greater joy is in giving people the space and the opportunity to give back to us. For us to see the divine presence in the person that we thought we were coming to serve is actually welcoming the presence of God who was already there through you and your giving, I receive the gift of love and I see the face of God. And for that, I am grateful. The other necessary word for any act of service is compassion. Remember that old, old story about the guy who had dreamt that he had died, and he went up and he saw a door, and above that door it said, for the damned, and when he opened up the door, he saw that huge table full of those delicious foods and drinks, and around that table were a number of people who were tethered to their chairs, with one arm tethered behind their back, and to their free hand was a long-handled spoon, which did no use for them at all to be able to reach the food from the plate to their mouth. Although the food was fit for a king and only inches away from them, the poor wretches were obviously suffering from the final stages of starvation. The man quickly backed out of that room, and then he saw the door of another room, and above that door it said, For the Saved, and he opened that door and he saw the same table full of all of this delicious food and drink, and similarly, people around the table strapped to their chairs, armed behind their back with this long spoon. But something was very different in this room. Instead of starving miserably, The people in this room were happy and well-fed. Though their spoons were too long to use to feed themselves, they had realized that they weren't too long to feed their neighbors. What I love about this story is how compassion can bring such joy and blessing to life. In this case, compassion literally gives life. Given the atmosphere in the room, it's clear that those who chose to feed their neighbors weren't doing it in a calculated or a selfish way. They didn't have the attitude, well, if I feed them, they'll feed me. But instead, their service was done out of love. They lost themselves in love. Those who are willing to serve and care about their neighbors can feast in a life filled with compassion and understanding, both given and received. Well, Jesus was often moved by compassion, which means to suffer with. Jesus felt a love so deep for the person in front of him that he felt the pain of their suffering. It takes great courage and kindness to be with the sick and the dying and the poor in their weakness, especially when we are powerless to fix it. But we know that our God is a God who suffers with us and calls us to gratitude and compassion in the midst of pain. It seems like Cinderella's mom was right about needing courage and kindness to get through the trials of life with one another. This kind of kindness and service to others only works when we authentically feel the love for each other. We can't fake it, which is why we need to abide in God, to soak in God's love so that, when it, that it might help us to see and to receive one another with those same loving eyes. The late John Lewis, a public servant, a civil rights leader, and a longtime representative in the House, talked about seeing the humanity in everyone, even those who were attacking, beating, and spitting on him. He said, there comes a time when you have to be prepared to literally put your physical body in the way, to go against something that is evil, unjust, as you prepare to suffer the consequences. But whatever you do, he wrote, whatever your response is, must be done with love, kindness, and that sense of faith. We know that John Lewis was one to abide with God. Some years back, neurologist Oliver Sacks wrote a fascinating vignette of an interesting neurological difficulty You may be familiar with Tourette's syndrome, a mental disorder that causes victims to have any number of physical and verbal tics. Some Tourette's people may have constant facial twitches, while others can suffer from uncontrollable verbal spasms. This goes on constantly and nonstop for people with Tourette's. Well, one man with Tourette's was given to deep, lunging bows toward the ground, a few verbal shouts, and also an obsessive-compulsive adjusting and readjusting of his glasses. It turns out this man was a skilled surgeon. Somehow, and for unexplainable reasons, when he put on his mask and his gown to enter the operating room, all of his tics disappear for the duration of the surgery. He loses himself in that role, completely focused on the job at hand. When the surgery is finished, he returns to his odd quirks of glasses adjustment shouts and bows. There really can be a great transformation of our lives when we are focused on just one thing, focused to the point that bad traits disappear even as the performing of normal tasks becomes all the more meaningful and remarkable, losing yourself in love. Vincent van Gogh once wrote to his brother, "'Whoever loves much, performs much, and can accomplish much, and what is done in love is well done. So dear friends, let us pick up our towel each and every day and with courage and kindness ask God to show us who to love today. We are all invited to the feast laid out at this table the bread of life, and the cup of salvation. What happens here at this table is intricately woven into the life Jesus invites us to live. Jesus blessed and broke bread with his disciples, and then he got on his knees and humbly served them. Just as bread needs to be broken in order to be given, so too do our lives. We are invited, blessed, and broken so as to be given. With our brokenness, we are in a humble position to serve others with love and compassion. Our greatest fulfillment lies in giving ourselves to others, and it starts right here at this table. Now hear the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat, and when you do, remember me. And then after supper, Jesus took the cup in the same way and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you all for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again, and he will come again.
3: Let us pray. Pour out your spirit on these, your gifts to us, O God. Meet us in the bread and cup in this sanctuary and in our homes. As we break our bread to share with one another and then to a hungry world, may we taste your love and compassion for all people. As we drink in your goodness, may we be nourished and strengthened to love and serve others in your holy name. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us
2: feast together.
1: So so good to me. I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so so kind.
2: Thank you for these gifts, O God, may they nourish and strengthen us to serve in love anyone you put in our path, amen. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes. The love of God reflected in your hands. The wisdom of God reflected in your words. And the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen.